0: pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence here. Holy Spirit, you've come as we invited you, Lord. You're here amongst us. We pray, Lord, that we might be sensitive to your spirit and what you're saying this morning, that your word will run and have free course. Not my words, Lord, your word. And you'll be effective and Kind and loving to these people this morning, Lord Jesus, and to me as well, as we study your word. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way, do your work, and bring glory to the name of Jesus. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. So we're still on the subject of membership. Um, It could be a big subject. Steve did great last week as a very, very important sermon, and understanding just how we interact as members. Um, But this morning, I'm going to talk about membership again, but the things we share. Now, I don't know how many groups you belong to, not in the church, necessarily outside of that. Um, There's things all around us, uh, um, Esther, she supports Arsenal. Not quite sure why. (laughs) Um, You should see the effect it has on her life. Uh, When Arsenal win, she's full of beans and happy and joyful. When they lose, it's best not to mention the score. Not that I take advantage of that in any way by mentioning it. But she's very up and down as far as uh, her her attitude to Arsenal goes. Um, Sometimes manager, is it Arteta? Oh, look at that, see? (laughs) Having a 14-year-old daughter who's interested in Arsenal makes me learn lots of things. Um, Sometimes he's good. He seems to have the ability to um, suddenly, you're going to lose your job if you don't win the next three games. What does he do? He wins the next three games. And he keeps his job for a little bit longer. I don't really understand his fascination with a football team. Uh, one, because I rather enjoy rugby more. Yay! Go, Graham. <laughs> but even then, I don't really follow a football team. I might find out what the score is when England are playing. Sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm really, really disappointed. <laughs> that, that's what it is. Um, but we, some people, when they support a football team, they support them so fanatically, that's the only thing they really do. Um, I wouldn't like to ask if there's any football widows here, but you know, sometimes there is there's a thing where the football is the only thing in their lives, and I don't really understand it. Another thing that's happened this summer, when we were talking to people, I found so many people have joined the Bowls Club. Really, really. I found so many people have joined the Bowls Club. And I was at MLG, and there was a, that's a Christian conference we go to. And every other person said we joined the Bowls Club. And I'm thinking, why? <laughs> I don't understand why you would join the Bowls Club. There must be something in it, but you know, give it 20 years, I might be a little bit different. And then uh, there's things like concerts, music concerts. You know, Tom Jones. He, he played at Detlin a few weeks ago, I believe. caused chaos in the traffic. Seems to be very good at that. Um, but lots of people follow him. He's he's a very popular musician. Uh, I don't really understand that either. And if he changed his genre, if he played something else, if he was perhaps a rapper, would the same group of people still follow him? No. <laughs> I don't think they would. We do things through our our community together. I mean, we've got things in there. We've got cycling groups, table tennis group, uh, badminton group in in there, and it's it's doing the same sport. Um, I'm a little bit with Camino. This doesn't really understand that either. Um, (laughs) I will walk my dog, and that's probably getting quite to the limit of what I exercise I I, I really, really like to do. Um, (laughs) But, but, uh, yeah, I don't understand always why people are always playing a sport every week. Uh, Graham goes running, as, as we're well aware. And uh, he's been very, very, very real to us about why he goes running. It's more like he has to rather than he wants to. <laughs> I wonder if we come to church because we have to. Some people support the same, same cause. We've had Isolate Britain. They've been around and they, they do rather strange things. They block up motorways. Um, and a few years ago, that would have really frustrated me because I used to travel on them. Um, Not so much now, but they believe the same cause, and they'll even glue glue themselves to the road and run out into traffic because they believe that um, we should insulate Britain, which is not a bad cause, but I don't understand why that's so fanatical to them, why they would put their life at risk for that. When we meet together as a family, we like to meet our families. I I understand from my family that uh, when my brothers brought girlfriend's home, it was terrible to meet my dad because they would get the third degree. And, and, and I know I could name certain women who have come with my brothers um, who have been around this church at times time and been absolutely petrified when they've left our house after meeting my dad. Not sure those relationships lasted. <laughs> um, so meeting our family, that we, we gather to meet our family, we love our family and doing that. But why do we meet in the church? There's a social club up at a viewpoint we've thought about joining a few times because you get benefits. Perhaps that's why we do, because we get benefits. There's benefits to joining um, a, a club. You get cheaper drinks, you get to hire the hall when you want to. There's somewhere you can go get away from the children. Um, so there's all a possibility there that you know, join a social club, for what benefits we get. Do we come to church? Are we members of CPC because of the benefits we get? So I'd like to take you on a little journey. You know, when Jesus came, he made his objectives very, very clear. If you turn to Luke 5, 27 to 32, Jesus makes it very clear he didn't come for people who were already all right, or who thought they were already all right. He didn't come for people who were up there in the in the religious community who thought they were righteous. He seems to have come for the disreputable. Verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So these people were outcasts. That's why they gathered together. That's the reason they were together. They were outcasts. And uh, they didn't take it to Jesus. They took it to his disciples and said, Why are you eating with sinners? But Jesus overheard them anyway and said, I haven't come for the righteous. I've come for those who acknowledge that they need me. I've come for those who acknowledge that they're not right. They haven't got it all together. It was the sick that needed Jesus, sick of sin, sick of everything they were doing, sick of the wrong thing, sick of their lives being pointless and wasted, not those who thought they were all at it all together. You know, and Jesus wasn't shy, again, it says Jesus wasn't shy of what he came to do. We go to Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. Remember what he said? And he repeats it as well in, uh, in, in Luke, verse 1 of chapter 61 of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord, God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That's not the rich. That, that's the poor. He sent me to broke up the, bind up the broken-hearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prisons to those who are bound doesn't necessarily mean a physical prison. To proclaim the law, year of the Lord's favor. There's nothing impossible for God to do. I've been singing that this morning. The day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. This is not all the people who are okay who think they're righteous. This is people who are downtrodden, who are oppressed, who are broken-hearted, who are bound up and hidden up in the, in the things that bind them up. But they have no liberty, in depression, in difficulties. Yeah. Jesus made it very clear he came to those. And doesn't that reflect on us? Aren't we those people? Aren't we the people who are, who are struggling in life? Might not be struggling all the time, but every time we come to another crisis, we're struggling. And that can only bring to identify, identify one thing to us. We need Jesus. Very simple. We need Jesus. As an elder, I need Jesus. I can't be away from the fact that I need Jesus. Because it's constant. It doesn't get any, it doesn't get any different. I might get a little bit stronger sometimes. And then I fall again. I still need Jesus. I need Jesus every time. I need Jesus every day. There's a hymn that goes, I need Jesus, I need him every day. No friend like, man like him, he's a sinner's friend. We have to acknowledge that we're sinners. We have to acknowledge that we need Jesus, and that is just a little bit that draws us together. I wouldn't normally, I guess, most of us wouldn't associate with the people we see in front of us, or behind us and around us. Not because they're horrible or anything. <laughs> oh, Nicky and Kevin, behave yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they're not normally the people we're, we're from every walk of life from every stage of life we have people who are, who are better at doing stuff we have people who are worse we have people who are better preachers we have people who are worse we have people who are better explainers of what God is doing we have worse we haven't crowded to our own group except that we need Jesus you know the same for the crowds they followed him everywhere they understood that he was different. They followed him to a desert place. Five thousand were fed. They said, No one talks like you talk Jesus, you talk with authority. They followed him to the beach. They had to get a boat because there was so much crowd on the beach, he had to get a boat and go out a little while. Why else the crowd could get into him and he couldn't actually talk what he was talking about. That's Mark three, seven to twelve. He gave them everything, He was the breath in their bodies. We only have to read that God is breathed into the Adam and Eve at the start in Genesis and He gave them life. But Jesus also said He was the water of life, whoever comes to me will thirst again. He's the bread of life, never hunger, He's the light of the world. all we need for life and for living is found in Jesus. All we need for life and living is found in Jesus. I'll bring two other stories. The demon-possessed man. If you look through Mark 5 and 6, you'll find all these, all these stories here. The demon-possessed man. So Jesus, first of all, if you look at the story, he made a point of going across the lake. He decided to go there. So he was already moving towards somebody who needed him so much. But if you look again, you realise and you see that the demon possessed man saw Jesus arrive, and nobody else could contain him. Nobody could subdue him. Chains, shackles—they couldn't hold him in place. And when he saw Jesus arrive, he ran. He ran to meet him because he knew Jesus was the person who could help him. Was the only person who could help him. Was the only person who could set him free. And when he got to Jesus, he acknowledged who he was and then Jesus set him free. And it was a surprise to the people because they found him in his right mind. He was completely sane again. He wasn't even possessed anymore and he was sitting fully clothed. He hadn't been wearing clothes up till then. And that was a surprise. And you notice know, the reaction between the man who saw Jesus come in and ran to him and the reaction from the crowd who sent him away. He sent Jesus away. They didn't think they needed him. But the man knew very, very well that he needed Jesus. In the same section, there's the story of Jairus' daughter and also of the woman with the issue of blood. She'd gone to doctors and doctors and doctors 12 years. That's quite a long time to have an illness. She'd gone to doctor after doctor. But she fought her way through the crowd to touch Jesus. She knew that he was the one who could make a difference. She needed Jesus. He acknowledged her need of Jesus. And that's what drew her to Jesus, that's what draws us to each other, and to, the, and to be members of the church that meets at the Maltings, Because the church is the people, you know that. We've gone through that a few times, it's the people. We are the church that meets at the Maltings. we are the church that meets at CPC, but we are the people, the people are the church. And people there in the New Testament, they acknowledged him, they needed him in the good times. Mary and Martha... They were doing a meal for him. They invited him. That was the good times. Contrast that when Lazarus died. They needed him in the bad times as well. It's not just the good times, we need, it's not just the bad times, we need Jesus. We need him all the time, all the way through. We need to acknowledge that, guys. When we're up on the hilltop, doesn't mean we don't need Jesus. We need him all the time. It's endless, continuous. We need Jesus, and that's what draws us together, It draws us to, into a group. It's not because we get necessarily get benefits, it's because we need Jesus. That's what binds us together as a group. And they understood that Jesus had the words of eternal life. Jesus had been talking about a rather nasty subject, talking about eating his blood and drinking his drinking his blood and eating his, his body. You find it in John 6, um, and we're going from verse 66 69. And uh, it's a bit like the classroom. You know, the classroom and the teacher's explaining something a little bit difficult. Everybody's sagely nodding their heads. <laughs> yes, I understand. I understand. Yes, yes, yes. And then Westbrook says, What's he talking about? We don't know. But we don't ask him. So nobody put their hands up to ask for a, a different explanation, do they? Just sit there and we all acknowledge that we understand, but don't really. When it comes to the test, we can't answer the questions. John 6, 66 after this many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him so jesus said to the 12 do you want to go away as well simon peter answered him lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the holy one the only holy god the holy one of god people needed jesus nobody else could help this is what binds us together that we need Jesus. And if you're here for other reasons and than, than needing Jesus, then I ask you, why are you here? Why have you come this morning? Because Jesus is here. He's here and he can, he can solve your problems, not necessarily make everything beautiful and wonderful, but he can help you with your problems. He's there to support you. He's there to set you free, to give you freedom, to make you to heal up your broken heart, to, to pour in oil and the wine and the wounds you receive from other people. To revive you and to strengthen you to those who are oppressing you and hurting you. But there's another further level into this, because you know we don't really see Jesus here, do we? We can't see him physically. We can't necessarily feel him as, as, as you would feel at a desk or a lectern. And you know, he's just likely to be at home, he's here, isn't he? He's everywhere. So we don't really have to come together. Yeah, that's, that's it, it's easy, let go. We don't have to come together. So what binds us together? And Paul makes it very, very clear in Galatians 2, 19 to 21. Paul is talking about him being dead to the law, that the law no longer has any effect on him because Jesus set him free. And he takes it a little bit further, which we find difficult. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Amazing revelation, Jesus lives in you and he lives in me. By his spirit, the Holy Spirit he lives inside each one of us. And this is a bit hard to imagine, isn't it? Now, it's difficult enough to imagine that he lives in me. but When I come to think about it, and he lives in you, then that gets really, really tough. And it's hard to imagine from those people we meet. I'll talk to you about the external hosts. I know this is, could be a little bit of an emotive subject, but even so, the external hosts, those are the car park and let us in. Um, they might not be always the politest of people. They ask you to park somewhere, park next to another car. or oh, and you might get a bit dense and scratches. That's a, that's a little bit difficult, you know. And it's the same for me, actually. Um, Nikki and uh, Hannah will tell you quite clearly on the fun day, I said to myself and to them, hmm, I've been parking for 30 years. I think I know how to park. <laughs> I parked buses. In small yards, I know how to park. It's not just you, it's me as well. I criticise myself on this. But if Jesus asked you to park somewhere specific, would you park there? I reckon you'd get in there quickly, you'd be parked and out of the way, and not a problem. He just did. If Christ is in the car park team... If Christ is in the external hosts, if Christ is in you, if Christ is in me, he just asked you to park there. It might not have been so apparent when they did it, but he asked you to park there. And now let me take this view and explain to you. We did a fantastic fun day, it was brilliant. We, we affected the community. But that's not the only thing we do in the community. We come here every week and we come on that road and pull into here. It will take one complaint. From the member of the public to nullify completely the work of that fun day because the negative is always harder to, easier to believe it will take one complaint from the community that we blocked the road up on a sunday morning because we were arguing with who we were, where we were going to park to nullify all the good work we did on the fun day so i tell you now they're doing jesus's work they're making sure we don't get a complaint and you comply with them and agree with them and do as they say for that very reason because they're working in the name of Jesus to get you in this car park as quickly as possible so we're not in disrepute with the council. Perhaps if was that your experience this morning with the car park team. You might want to go and tell them and apologise. Because <laughs> Jesus lives in them. You know, and the way this is a bit out there, perhaps, for you, but thinking about Nikki, You know, as we grow older, you know, things change in us and our bodies. You know, we don't come not quite as, uh, as, as nice and shapely as we were in the first place. No offence, but how, how, when I'm older, am I going to love Nikki so much? How am I still going to love her? Because I tell her she's beautiful because I acknowledge in my head that she's beautiful. And I tell myself every day that she's beautiful. It's an act of faith, possibly. And the same with people... (laughs) And they're messing around again there. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not getting dinner today. (laughs) Although I cook it myself. (laughs) It's an act of faith in my head sometimes to believe. Just as an act of faith in my head to believe that you have Jesus in you. Because the evidence is not always there. But Jesus is in you, and I have to believe that. as an act of faith on my heart, By part to believing that Jesus is in you. And if you keep telling yourself and telling people that Jesus is in them, not only are you going to start believing it, but they're going to start believing it too. Not only are you going to start believing it, but they're going to start believing it too. If you tell the car park team that Jesus is in them, and he lives in them and loves them, then they're going to realise more and more that Jesus is in them, that he loves them, and they'll become more and more like Jesus. This is how it works. This is how membership works. This is how church works, because we live together, and we believe that each other have Jesus in us, and then we move, and we tell each other we have Jesus in us, and then we believe, and we know that Jesus is in us. And that's why church can work. These people, everyone else is just like us. They're desperate for Jesus. It's our need for Jesus and the need to see it in each other that brings us together. Knowing that if you're sick, somebody will pray for you. We will pray for you. The elders will pray for you. We'll make time to pray for you. We'll come to your house and pray for you if that's what you want. we we'll pray for you here. we we'll pray for you in the prayer room. I love the way over the last two years, over the the, the pandemic, the groups have stayed together and worked together. All respect to our, our team leaders. All respect to our life group leaders. All respect to our heads of department that have been messaging their teams every week to say, where are you? Hello, how are you getting on? This is an encouragement. Because that's how the body works. That's how membership works. Because we love Jesus and we see Jesus in each other. The story about a woman who was going to leave a church. I'm up, up to the pastor and said, I'm going to leave the church. I look here, there's people on their phones when the preaching's going on. They don't react as Jesus did. They're doing all sorts of things other than what Jesus told us to do. And this is where we stand sometimes. And so the pastor said to her, Okay, that's fine. He was a good pastor. He let her do it. He said, Just one thing I want you to do with me. I want you to walk around the church with a full glass of water three times. So she went off and walked around the church with a glass of full water without spilling it three times. And the pastor, said, I've done it, pastor. I can go now. I said, yep, excellent. So how many people, while you were walking around the church, did you see on their phones, on their tablets? How many people did you see not living the life that Jesus gave you? I said, none of them. Why? Because I was concentrating on the water not coming out. I didn't have to spill it. And that's the point. If we're concentrating on Jesus, who we're supposed to be concentrating on, we don't see the things that people are doing wrong because we're getting our hearts right with God when we've messed up. So I wonder if it was all taken away. I love the lights. I love everything about this. I, I, I love church. I wouldn't have stayed here for so long if I didn't. You know, if I'd have got upset and annoyed with the fact we have a platform, we have, you know, loud keyboard players and, and guitarists and drummers, and uh, 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 you know, when I was younger, having a drummer in the church was, <laughs> you know, that was the devil's music. When I was growing up, that, that, that was absolutely, and uh, it took a while for drums to come into the church. We used to go down to a, a conference in Newbury, um, and they always had a drummer in the church, and it was also a little, a little bit of a, ooh, they've got a drummer. But moving away from that, you know, if all this is gone, if we didn't have a stage, if we were meeting in the field and Jura had to start the songs from his own voice, because that's all we had, would we still do it? Let's go to Philippians 3, 7 to 11. Now Paul here is talking about his pedigree. You know, Paul was a, a top grade. He had everything. He was, a, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Benjamin of the Benjamites. He had done all, the, done all the study, done all the work. He had heritage, he had education. But he said this about it. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the passing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Jesus, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings like him in his death, that by all means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So if all this was gone, we didn't have the maltings, we didn't have base camp, we didn't have the warehouse here, we still want to meet? I would say, yes, we would. Yes, we would, because we meet not to have this, this is just extra stuff, we meet because we need Jesus, because we need each other, and we need Jesus in us, and to see that. I'm going to have to keep emphasizing this point that I it doesn't come through. I can say one negative thing once, but I have to say lots of positive things lots and lots of times. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. In the hope that I might actually agree with it sometime. And the New Testament is full of examples where Paul understood this completely. And he kept pulling the churches back to it. And I'm sure there's a lot more letters than we find in the canon. I'm sure there's a lot more letters written. I can't believe that Paul only wrote one letter, Philippi, in the whole time he was, he, was, he was alive. I'm sure there was. If we go to Philippians 2, 1 to 11, this is a good, good long bit. And this is our key. This is the things that we, we're looking for in life rather than what we have now. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love... Any participation in the spirit, any affection, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. That's—it's not. Um, eventually, the Holy Spirit will bring you to the same mind. It's actually a conscious thing that you have to do to have the same minds. As elders, and uh, even before as trustees, we've looked at this and said, actually, I will put myself lower so I have the same mind as my brother. If it's not that important to me, I'd rather agree with them than disagree with him. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, till, till Jesus' mind in us, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see how this all connects together? It talks about, you know, if you, if you know anything about Jesus, you know this is right, be of the same mind. Count other people more significant than yourselves have this mind among you within Jesus Christ. And it's really, really annoying, because every time Paul does this, he says, be like Jesus. And then he doesn't say why you be like, he just doesn't say be like Jesus, he says why you have to be like Jesus, because he humbled himself to death on a cross. Be like Jesus in that, what, that I give my life for my brothers and sisters in the church? That I'm prepared to give up all I have for them? i give my life for them because jesus gave his life for us he humbled himself and became a servant he didn't take on his glory this paul gives the most extreme example he possibly can he does the same when he talks about loving your wives love your wife as christ loved the church No, oh, love yourself but love your life as christ loved the church that's great yeah And then you look at what Jesus Christ did for the church. That he died for her. He gave himself for her. He sees her as a completed thing. Filled with righteousness and love. And we don't see it ourselves. We just see all the problems we have. Paul brings us back to the point where he says, have the mind like the mind of Christ. Look at your brothers and sisters as Jesus looks at them. Look at your brothers and sisters as Jesus looks at them. Does he see the flaws? He knows about the flaws, that's for certain, but he doesn't act on them. All he does is see that Jesus is in you, Jesus is in me, Jesus is in you, Jesus is in me. Jesus is in the worst person, the person who's come in, who's not wearing the good clothes, who's not wearing the great clothes. But he's desperate for Jesus. Desperate to know what the answer is, the way to eternal life. And this is about maturity. I'm going to bring it back to maturity because actually, all our all our vision objectives are actually all link into each other. Yeah. A member will do this; they will want to grow in maturity, and maturity isn't that they know lots of scriptures and can quote them off to you. Maturity is that they have grown into knowing that you have Christ in you, that I have Christ in me and I can see it and I acknowledge it and I am faith, I believe it, that you will do the best for me, that you think the best of me, you have the best interests at heart, that you, you love me that if I join with you in a group you'll, you'll protect me and care for me and then when, when you're in a problem I will care for you and look after you that's what membership is it's acknowledging that Jesus is a saviour and we need him so much and it's acknowledging that we can find Jesus in each other there are lots and lots of other things you know and if you want to come and be part of a group like this it's a worldwide church we're actually such a huge family we can walk in anywhere and say hey, i'm a christian and they say oh yeah great that's lovely great to see you that's that is the wonder of going anywhere in the country in the world and and saying you're a christian you just you just walk in there and people accept you but jesus is a first example of that he accepts you he accepts what you've done he knows that you're a sinner you know you're a sinner, if you know you're a sinner and you want him he will come and release you from that sin he will set you free, he will heal your body he will set you free to, to know and to love he will move all the things in your lives the oppression, the depression, the things that are causing you problems the hope, the bullying even so he can give you the strength to get through those or release you from it he will do either he loves you so much that he wants to be and come to you and live in you and he died for that very reason he died for that very reason that you should come to know him and should acknowledge your need for him. You know, and we're available. I'm not great at appeals. If the that like to come up, that would be great. But I feel the need this morning that as we see Christ in each other, we can actually minister to each other. We can actually minister to each other. and It may be the un- most unexpected person that's behind you is going to lay your hands on you and pray for you if you need it. But as, as a body, as a group of members, we can look after each other. We can pray for each other and support for each other. So I don't really know how to do this, but if you'd want to indicate that you need someone to pray for you this morning, then tap somebody on the, cou- on the shoulder beside you or around you. Or you can come to the front, whichever way you want to do it you want to come and be prayed for by us, then come to the front. You're welcome to do that. If you want to accept Jesus as your saviour, then come and join us at the front. We will be there and available. If you just need prayer for something, the prayer room is available after the service. If you want to do it more discreetly, go to the prayer room and pray there. And some people will be there to pray for you from our prayer team. So much availability this morning for God to minister to you, for Jesus to minister to your heart, for us to minister to you as well as representatives of Jesus Christ. Christ is in us. And this morning, Christ is in you. I believe that that Christ is in you, that He's here, but he's in you and in your body, and you have the mind of Christ. By faith, you have the mind of Christ, and you're thinking the best of me, not the worst, and I'm thinking the best of you and not the worst. So take this time to just let ministry please made away.